السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأصلي وأسلم على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين نبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن احتدى بهديه واقتدى بسنته إلى يوم الدين وبعد فقد قال جل وعلا في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون وقال تعالى شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان صدق الله العظيم وقال النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام من, من قام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Respected honored scholars, ulama, elders, beloved brothers, mothers and sisters, it was the dua of a pious scholar of Islam that at the advent of Ramadan, as Ramadan was about to dawn upon him, he used to constantly recite this dua. That Allahumma la tahrimna khayra ma indaka li sharrim ma indana. اللهم لا تحرمنا خير ما عندك لشر ما عندنا that only Allah do not deprive us of your mercy because of our sinning oh Allah do not deprive us of your mercy because of our transgressions oh Allah don't grudge us oh Allah don't hold our wrongs against us oh Allah do not grudge us Allah Ta'ala himself makes mention in Quran وَلَوْ يُؤَخِذُ اللَّهُ النَّاسَ بِمَا كَسَبُوا Allah says if Allah's punishment has to come proportionate to the actions of man you will not find a single living creature on the entire mother earth if Allah's punishment has to come proportionate to the actions of man you will not find a living creature on the entire mother earth my brothers you and I can safely say that because of our sinning and our transgression we do not deserve another Ramadan but it is the sheer mercy of the Almighty Allah it is the sheer mercy of the Almighty Allah that Allah has afforded us this opportunity Balighna Ramadan that oh Allah show us another and many more Ramadans show us many more Ramadans now the Ayat-i Karima that I had recited before you it's a famous verse of Quran that we normally recite we hear the scholars unpack this verse in the blessed month of Ramadan when Allah Taala makes mention of the fundamental reason as to why we fast in the blessed month of Ramadan Allah Ta'ala says Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu Oh, you who believe. When the Nabi of Allah migrated to Medina to Munawwara, in the second year after the migration in the month of Sha'ban, the injunction of Siyam and Ramadan became obligatory upon the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So hence Allah Ta'ala says that, Kutiba alaykum as-siyam, Fasting has been prescribed upon you like it was prescribed on the nations before you. For what reason? There has to be some reason as to why we fast. 
My brothers, let me ask you, does Allah derive any benefit by keeping you and I hungry and thirsty? Does Allah derive any benefit in that? Allah has created us. Allah loves us. In the concluding verses of the fifth juz of Quran, what does Allah Ta'ala say? مَا يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ بِعَذَابِكُمْ إِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ وَآمَنْتُمْ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ شَاكِرًا عَلِيمًا Allah says, just as it is difficult for you to see another person going through challenges and difficulties, Allah Ta'ala says it is as equally difficult for Allah to see a person suffering in this world. Allah derives absolutely no benefit. Allah derives absolutely no benefit. So then the key question is, what is the reason as to why we fast? Does Allah derive benefit by keeping us hungry and thirsty? What did my Nabi say? Famous narration, كَمْ مِنْ صَائِمٍ لَيْسَ لَهُ مِنْ صِيَامِهِ إِلَّا الْجُوعَ How many people you would find them fasting the entire month of Ramadan? The only thing they take from Ramadan is hunger and thirst. Nothing beyond that. The hadith I mentioned last night, the Nabi of Allah ascends the pulpit, he said, Ameen. Second step, he said, Ameen. Third step, he said, Ameen. He said, Jibreel made dua. Jibreel made, that du made dua. What dua did he make? Ba'uda man adraka Ramadan falam yughfallah. May Allah distance that person from his mercy who finds the blessed month of Ramadan in which Allah sends down his mercy, his blessings upon the Ummah and the Ummah does not attain the forgiveness of the Almighty Allah. May Allah distance that person. He was Rahmatullil Alameen. But the Nabi of Allah cursed that person. The man who finds Ramadan, despite finding Ramadan, he does not attain the forgiveness and the mercy of the Almighty Allah in Ramadan. So the question is that we need to ask ourselves, you know, we speak about detoxing the body. You know, health fanatic, you find the man is in the gym, 100 sit-ups and 100 push-ups, he's on the bench press and he's on this diet, on that diet. You know, like I always give this example, you know, say this man comes to the dietitian. So the dietitian says, you know what, you're a bit obese, you're overweight. So, you know, there was one brother, so he comes to the doctor and the doctor says, you know what, you need to cut down on, on, on bread, uh, you know, your carbs and your overweight and cut down on soft drinks and sugars and bread. And so he said, ask the doctor, what do you mean? He said, no, no, I have two slices a day. So he said, okay, no problem. He said, I should go home every morning, take a loaf of bread, break it in two. That, that's my two slices. He said, the doctor is gone. I'm still going. I'm still going ahead in life. What I'm saying, we need to discipline our eating habits. That's a separate topic. You know, Ramadan is there to discipline our eating habits. But here we are speaking about not a physical detox, but rather the spiritual detox. The spiritual detox. Before we enter the blessed month of Ramadan, we need to spiritually detox the body. We need to inch closer to Quran. You know, embrace the month of Ramadan with a different spirit. Like I said, Allah derives absolutely no benefit in keeping you and I and hungry, thirsty, uh, hungry and thirsty. When we studied the lives of Sahaba, hunger and thirst was not something that was exclusively reserved to the blessed month of Ramadan. 
It was the price that they paid to preserve Iman. One day somebody comes to Sayyidina Umar. And he said, Hadithna an Sha'ri Sa'at al-Usra. Umar, you accepted Islam in the initial stages. Tell us some of the challenges that you went through. He said, what can I tell you amongst the many challenges that we went through in the initial stages of Islam, that hunger and thirst became so unbearable. He said, every morning we used to get up, hatta vananna, and the thought used to cross our hearts that today is my final day. I'm going to die out of hunger and thirst. Now my brothers, we're having this for breakfast, uh, you know, for suhoor, and then we're having that for iftar, and then you're eating this. You know, Ramadan, like I said, discipline our eating habits. You're having halim, and then you're having this and having that. And then, you know, you're standing in Taraweeh, and you're burping from here, burping from there. The man who's standing five steps away from you knows exactly what you had eaten for iftar. I mean, we need to discipline our eating habits. How many brothers I know personally, they said, Mawlana, in Ramadan, I put on more weight. And then on the other hand, you would find that what did Nabi Ali Salam teach us? That break your fast, or rather, you know, I don't think we should use the term break the fast. Keep your fast intact. Rather open your fast. I think we need to rephrase, you know, some of these words that have become common. That when you're breaking your fast, you know, you don't break the fast. You open the fast. You open the fast. Subhanallah, tabarakallah. You know, so you'd find, what did Nabi Ali Salam say? Nabi Ali Salam used to break his fast on dry dates. He used to break his fast on dates and he used to take few sips of water. How many brothers don't we, we find? You know, the time of iftar, adhan is being called. You know, cigarette in one hand, coke in the other hand. And that's how we're breaking our fast. Fulfilled sunnah. What did Nabi Ali Salam teach us? In fact, up to this day when you travel the Arab world, they practice upon the sunnah diligently. Look at the medical benefits. What they would do, Kitha refers to cucumber. So the Arabs they would do up to this day, they would open the date, remove the seed, take pieces of cucumber, put it inside, and eat the dates with the cucumber. Look at the medical benefits. Dates are hot, cucumber is cool. Strike the balance. Find the balance. Eat dates. Drink water, cucumber and, and dates. This is a sunnah of the Nabi of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What I'm saying, my brothers, Omar says, the great giant, he said there was such hunger and thirst that we experienced not in Ramadan throughout the year. That was the price we paid of preserving Iman. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu's daughter, Abu Bakr, the greatest of men after the Anbiya, after the Rabi of Allah, the first Khalif of Islam, his daughter Asma, Asma, the daughter of Sayyidina Abu Bakr, she gives this description. She said that my husband was gone out. He was gone out in the part of Allah. And I was the expecting mother at that time. I was pregnant. Now we all know when a woman is pregnant, you know, she wants to eat this, eat that, and she likes this, dislikes that. So nonetheless, so uh, she says, my husband is gone out in the path of Allah. And I was experiencing such hunger. She said, I was experiencing such hunger, my, my cheeks became pale. We had one neighbor, Walana Jarum min al Yahud, a Yahudi neighbor. And one day, you know, she, I, I'm looking outside, Fadabahat she slaughtered a little sheep. Fatubihat, it was roasted. Fawajat to rihaha. Fawajat to rihaha. 
I could get the scent. You know, somebody is having a braai next door. Somebody is having a braai, and you know, when the wind blows, you said, wow, you know, you can get the scent. Subhanallah, tabarakallah. So she said, I could get the scent coming into my home. And this only exacerbated the hunger. So I was a bit ashamed. And she said that, you know what, my husband has gone out in the path of Allah. I thought under the pretext that, you know what, let me go and ask her for something. But I said, no, I cannot ask her for something to eat. So I decided to approach my neighbor. And I said, give me some firewood. At least in that way, she would read between the lines and she would give me a platter of food or something to eat. So she said, I approached this Yahudi neighbor. And I said, you know what, can you give me some firewood? She said, take how much you want. She said, my intention was not firewood, but rather my intention was something to eat. I took the firewood, I came home. And as I inhaled the smoke, it only intensified the hunger. Second day, I could smell, I could get the scent of meat coming. I went to my neighbor. She said, take how much of firewood you want. Three days. On the third day, the husband, the neighbor's husband returns. And he asked his wife, did anybody come home in my absence? So she says that, you know, we've got this Muslim lady that stays next door. You know, she asked me for some firewood and I gave her some firewood. So the neighbor, he tells his wife, I have come home. I will not eat one morsel of food until you prepare a platter and send it to our neighbor. And send it to our neighbor. My brothers, whilst you and I are having a five-course meal in Ramadan, at the time of Iftar and after Salatul Taraweeh, let us spare a thought, I swear by Allah. I was mentioning to some of the brothers last night, there are some of the musallas that we have, people that normally work in these areas. For many of them, what you put on the Dastarkhan at the time of Iftar is the only meal they have for the day. And whatever is left, they take it with them. The leftovers they have that with the families at the time of Sur, at the time of Sahri. We take it for granted. We have a five course meal, having this and we having that. By all means, my brothers. But what I'm saying, Ramadan is there to discipline our eating habits. Ramadan is there to discipline us. Abu Huraira, Abu Huraira, this great Sahabi, he said, one day I came to Masjid al-Nabawi. As I entered the masjid, I started scouting and looking for the Nabi of Allah. And suddenly I had seen in one corner, the Nabi of Allah is sitting on the floor and reading Salah and reading Salah. Abu Huraira looked at the Nabi of Allah. He said, oh Nabi of Allah, what's the problem? Why are you reading Salah sitting? He said, Abu Huraira, what can I tell you? Al-Ju, Al-Ju. Abu Huraira, hunger, such hunger has overtaken your Nabi. I don't have the strength to stand up and read Salah. Kaab bin Ujra, Kaab bin Ujra, the famous Sahabi. He said, one day I entered Masjid al-Nabawi. I said, Aina Rasul Allah, where is the Nabi of Allah? Where is the Messenger of Allah? I was directed to the Nabi of Allah. Nabi alayhi salam was standing one side. I looked at him. I said, oh Nabi of Allah, Mali araki taghayyar al-loon. Oh, Nabi of Allah, what's the matter? Your face has turned pale. Your face has turned pale. Your face has turned color. Nabi Ali Salam said, Kaab bin Ujra, do you love me? He said, Oh, Nabi of Allah, I love you. Being carefully, Kaab, do you love me? He said, Oh, Nabi of Allah, I love you. And the love that Sahaba displayed for the Nabi of Allah was not the artificial love that you and I have today. 
Like I always say this couplet in Urdu, Allama Iqbal, what he used to say, Log kehte hai ke mera nabi mera nabi lekin parte hai namaz kabhi kabhi. People say my nabi my nabi. Huh? The Musal Masjid, we see you on the day of Jumu'ah, 27 night of Ramadan. And we will see you the day your janazah leaves from the Masjid. What happens the rest of the year? Ramadan is there to discipline us. Nabi Ali Salam said, Kaab, do you love me? I love you, O Nabi of Allah. Nabi Ali Salam said, Kaab, brace yourself for challenges and difficulties. That person who truly loves his Nabi will go through challenges and obstacles and hurdles in life. Kaab, what can I tell you? Three days have passed. Three days have passed. And nothing edible, nothing edible has entered into the belly of your Nabi. What I'm saying, my brothers, that was not in Ramadan. That was throughout the year. That was the price. It was Rahmatul Alameen, the greatest of Allah's creation. That was the price they paid for preserving Iman. The expedition of Tabuk. What did Sayyidina Umar say? The Nabi of Allah exhorted, this, exhorted the people of Medina, go out, go out, strive out in the path of Allah. What did the Munafiqeen say? That you know what, it is too hot, the heat is too intense. It is too hot, the heat is intense. We won't strive out. Allah Ta'ala revealed the verse of Quran. قُلْ نَارُ جَهَنَّمْ أَشَدُّ The heat of Jahannam, it is more intense than the heat of this world. Those who will enjoy the challenges of this world, Allah will make their journey to Jannah an easy one. You know, I mentioned it last night and somebody called me. I said, my brothers, we're living in a time. You know, I am inundated. You know, people say, Molana, you know what, last year, I could only manage five fast. And this year, you know, give me some prescription. So I said, my brother, raise the bar. Allah has made it so easy for us. I mentioned it last night. You know, in 2019, I was in, I was in the UK for a few days in Ramadan. So as I stepped off the flight and the brother picked me up from the airport, so I asked him, what time is iftar? And what time is suhoor? So he said, the sheikh, you know, iftar is at 9.30. I said, what time is suhoor? He said, 1.45. I said, subhanallah, tabarakallah. And with a smile, yeah, 13, 14 hours and people are constantly complaining. My brothers, what is there to complain about? Allah has made it so easy for us. There are people you would find in the community, over trivial reasons, they would omit that fast of Ramadan. And let me just make mention of it. I spoke about it in great detail last night. Perhaps you might not have heard. You know, I often get asked the question, that Bolana, you know, can we discharge the fidya of Ramadan before Ramadan? So my immediate response to that question is, why are you discharging the fidya? You know what, I find it extremely difficult to fast in Ramadan. So what I do, are you battering with Allah? Are you battering with Allah? I find it too difficult. So you're paying that amount, no matter how much you pay, what do the scholars write? One fast of Ramadan. If a person intentionally omits a fast of Ramadan, you can fast your entire life. You would never attain the barakah of one fast in Ramadan. My brothers, Allah loves us. Allah loves us. This is an opportunity for us to inch closer to the Almighty Allah. We speak about New Year's resolutions. The question is, what is my resolution this Ramadan? What is my resolution this Ramadan? 
you know, I got a, uh, like one brother said, you know what, Bolana, I, decide, I got up one morning and I decided I'm cutting off sugars, no cold drinks, no bread, no this, no that. He said, I had the willpower to do it. I've lost 30 kilos in one month. My brothers, you got the willpower to lose weight. But that spiritual detox, you know, to shed the, the, you know, the kilograms of sins and transgressions over the years. My message to you is that one sin, I swear by Allah, show Allah that commitment. Pornography has destroyed the fiber of our society. You know, my heart cries, my heart cries. Elderly people, Monana, you know what? I am addicted to pornography. Not a day passes in my life. My brothers, for Allah's sake, give it up. Fantasizing, looking at that which is haram. Uh, this Ramadan, take care of the tongue. Open uh, Ma'ariful Quran. There's an amazing narration on the strength of Abu Umama al Bahili under the commentary of this verse of Quran. Tell the believing men and the believing women to lower the gazes. Study the tafsir of this verse. One person passed away. He stood up before the Almighty Allah. Allah Ta'ala told him, flip through your pages of deeds. Flip through your good deeds. Your books of deeds. He looks at his books of deeds. He said, oh me Allah, I fasted months of Ramadan. I don't find it to my credits. I don't find it in my books of deeds. Allah will tell him, yes, indeed you had fasted Ramadan. But because you used to backbite about people in Ramadan, I have omitted your entire fast of Ramadan. Take care of the tongue. And this is a common thing that we find. You know, Molana in Ramadan, I can't control the tongue. Ramadan is not abstaining from food and drink. My brothers, that is in Ramadan, things that are permissible have become impermissible. Eating, drinking, cohabiting with one's wife during the days whilst a person is fasting. Ordinarily, it is permissible. But in Ramadan, it becomes impermissible. If permissible things have become impermissible in Ramadan, can you tell me the crime of committing those sins that are perpetually haram? Misuse of the eyes, misuse of the tongue, abusing the kids. So what I'm saying this Ramadan, my brothers, abandon that sin. Abandon that sin. Not only Ramadan, but make the intention of giving up that sin, you know, for the rest of our lives. You know, ask a medical doctor, you know, the most difficult patient to treat is that person, you know, who's being diagnosed with a sickness, but he's living in denial. You know, man has been diagnosed, Allah protect us from cancer or this sickness. And a man says, no, I don't have the sickness. He's the most difficult uh, patient to treat. Ask any, any medical doctor. My brother's Ramadan, number two. Just two or three points and I will terminate. Like I said, Ramadan become extremely charitable. You know, often I get asked, people say, Malana, you know, work out my zakat. So I said, okay, send me whatever you have. So, you know, you give the man the figure. But Malana, can't we do this? Can't we do that? You know, the pious used to say, when they used to give zakat, that, oh my brother, this is your money. Allah has kept in my possession. Take your money. That man is not doing you a favor. That man is not doing you a favor. 
And let me just extend on this point. You know, many of us, I'm in no way opposed to organizations. Wallahi, they are amazing organizations that are doing amazing work. Ideally, give your zakah to reputable organizations. You know, there was a survey that was conducted. I'm not just thumb sucking. You know, in South Africa, a few years back, one organization, one organization in this country, I said, how much zakah do you collect? 449 million. One organization. One organization. And many of them, I don't want to mince my words, and there are many that listen you know, to my message. Normally in Ramadan, I speak about this, and I can tell you I'm inundated. My brothers, if your zakah, hypothetically, is 10,000 rands, and you giving the 10,000 rands to a organization, and that a organization takes a certain percentage from the zakah that you give, and many of them are doing it. They take 10%, 15% of your zakat. Your zakah is not discharged in totality. So you need to ensure if you're giving your zakah, you have all the right to ask, what percentage of my zakat are you taking for administration fees? And there are many organizations. It's not my intention to run down any organization. Many of them are, many of them are doing amazing work. Just the other day, a brother calls me. He said that, Walala, you know what? You know, give me support. I said, support for what? He said, I started my own organization. But I said, my brother, you were involved with that organization. He said, no, 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 there is a greater need. So I said, tell me what's different that you do in relation to that organization. He said, no, we would do exactly the same thing. So we need to be very ultra cautious. My brothers, one is zakah. Let us not compromise. I get questions when it comes to Ramadan, people who have not discharged the zakat for the past 10 years. For the past 10 years. You know, there is a brother, I met him not too long ago. So I said that, you know, mashallah, you've climbed up the economic ladder. Allah has blessed you in terms of dunya. What's the, what's the principle? You know, what's that ingredient that you have in your life? So he said that, Walana, I understand that zakat is 2.5%. But he said, I made a vow with Allah years ago that oh Allah I would give 10% of my wealth in charity I would give 10% of my wealth in charity when we studied the lives of the pious predecessors like they say in English we live in a time today go on to the promenade go on to the beaches you and I have to walk five kilometers you know, to shed those five kilos, and there are other people that have to walk five kilometers to get a plate of food. We're living in that time today. Become extremely generous, my brothers. In Ramadan, I'm not speaking about zakat. Zakat you have to give. But when it comes to lillah, sadaqah, you know, we're involved in, you know, many masajid. Speak to those that are involved in masajid. After the COVID pandemic, one of the greatest challenges that many masajid are facing, they would tell you that the collections after post-COVID is less than 50%. My brothers, we are living, speak to many people today. You know, things have gone bad. But my brother, you're still traveling the world. December, you took the entire family on holiday. You're still driving the best. You're living in the best. You're not eating any less. Wallahi, become generous. 
You know, there was a great scholar who lived in Medina to Manawara, you know, who passed away many, many years ago. He was Sahib Kashf. He was blessed with inspired knowledge. And I'll just end on this. You know, prior to his demise, there was a delegation from South Africa that visited him in his home, you know, in Medina to Manawara, Mufti Ashik Ilahi. And, uh, you know, they asked him a host of questions. And one thing he made mention of, he said there is one quality that is found in the South African community, and that is generosity. I always say this. You know, I was in India a few days ago, and I met the grandson of Sheikh Zakaria, Rahmatullahi Ali. And he said that, we look at the institutions in India, he said the South African community has a share in each and every one of those institutions. And really, this is something we need to acknowledge. You would never find in our country whether you can go to the poorest of areas that people stepping out of the boundary of this country to collect funds for that institution i was in cape town a few years ago i was invited to give a talk in a in an area which is a little less affluent and as i entered the masjid there was a board outside 10 bags of cement two uh, truckloads of sand uh, 100 bricks 1000 bricks i asked the imam that what's this for so he said, as a community, we made the intention that we will build this masjid with the funding of this community. We will not stretch our hands out. What I'm saying, my brothers, Allah has given us additional wealth. Allah has given us additional wealth. Ya ibadi, a'ataytukum fazlan, wa sa'altukum qardhan, faman a'atani shay'an mimma a'ataytu, ajjaltu lahu al-ajil, wa ajjaltu lahu al-khalafa fil ajil. Allah says, oh my servants, I have given you surplus wealth. Occasionally, occasionally, I will ask you to spend on my name. That person who will give from that which Allah has given him, Allah will multiply what he has given you. And that person who will withhold, Allah says, I will snatch. Such deep words that coupled with the wealth that you have been given, coupled with that will come the needs of, of your community, the needs of society. Wallahi, bring a smile to someone's face. Go, my brothers, we're living in a country. You know, you travel to some of the Western countries and people send the zakat abroad. There's no zakat recipients. We're living in a country. Drive down the road, five kilometers, two kilometers, and you will find that there are people who are living hand to mouth. Abject of their brothers that are sitting here in the crowd who are involved in this type of work. You know, delivering hampers and groceries and seeing to ch kids, their education, the school fees, etc. Wallahi, dig deep into our pockets. My brothers, my message is number one, make a lot of istighfar. The ummah is going through great challenges. We know the turbulence, the mayhem in this country. We know the political landscape. We can blame this political party. We can blame that political party. But it starts from our homes. In my life, not on a macro level, on a micro level, what can I do for Allah's sake? For Allah's sake, my brother, abandon that sin that you were persistent for the last 30 years and then embrace the blessed month of Ramadan. I swear by Allah, it will be a different Ramadan. Number two, like I mentioned, become extremely charitable in Ramadan. 
Become extremely charitable in Ramadan. Raise the bar. Do a little extra. You're giving your zakat to this organization, no problem. Continue supporting them. But take a fraction. And this is my appeal to each and every one. You know, you know adopt families. You'll find 10, 20 families. Go and sit with them. You know, share in the pain. Share in the comfort. Share in the happiness. There are children in that home. Educate them. Send them to school. Send them to tertiary institution send those children to madrasa empower them empower them subhanallah this is the need of the ummah this is the need of the time let us empower allah has given us surplus wealth my brothers every one of us that are sitting here and all those that are listening we can safely say without exaggeration that we are better off than 95 percent of people living on mother earth we had seen what happened in turkey you know, the Syrian crisis, the Palestinian crisis has been going on for years and years and years. From 2010, in, in the blink of an eye, a man who owned an entire building, a man who owned shopping malls, is now looking for a tent for him and his family. Allah can turn the tables of any man at any time. Do not become complacent. Do not be arrogant. Wallahi, what you have, the day your eyes close, does not belong to you. It belongs to your ears. We could share much more with you. We make dua to the Almighty Allah. Allah grant us the tawfiq and the ability that we spend these last few days and nights, you know, with a different spirit. Welcome the blessed month of Ramadan with a different zeal. Show Allah that commitment. My brothers, you know, every one of us has that desire. I want to become better. That is why we fast in Ramadan. That is why we fast in Ramadan. A man who outside Ramadan does not smell the masjid. But even that man you would find in Ramadan starts his day of tahajjud salah. My message is before Ramadan, open the kalam of Allah. Each and every one of us make this niyyah from today, from today. If I have not touched the Quran, I will open the Quran even if it is one page. But be consistent on that. Let us all say, inshallah, Allah grant us the tawfiq that we welcome the blessed month of Ramadan with a different spirit. Allah ta'ala show us Ramadan and Allah show us many, many more Ramadans. Allah accept the Ramadans of the past. Allah overlook our shortcomings and Allah grant us the ability that we could alleviate the suffering of those, our brothers and our sisters in different parts of the world.